Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. This podcast is brought to you by Vish, a complete color management system designed by colorists for colorists, helping salons to eliminate waste, ensure consistent color and pricing, track inventory, and maximize profit. To learn more about Vish, simply text in all capitals, get Vish with no space, G-E-T-V-I-S-H, to the number 44222 for more information. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today, I have the amazing pleasure of interviewing someone who had a lot of influence in my career. Um, In my early days when I did more cutting, I don't do that anymore. I'm, I'm more of a colorist now, but I loved uh, her style of educating with humor and keeping it real and very engaging and fun while also giving me and others the tools to look at haircutting and styling and all things hair in a different way. So welcome to the podcast, the one and only Ruth Roach. She has been a five-time Naha winner. She is a Redken master artist, and she is still very passionate and loving all things hair. And welcome, Ruth, to the podcast. Thank you for taking this time today. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. It's a dream. So I know that um, you've had an amazing career. You've been an educator. You've been a salon owner. You've worn many hats. Um, doing competition work and so forth. But if you, when you go to reflect back on your career, who would you say are the top three people who have influenced you the most along the way? Definitely the top two are Trevor Sorby and Vivian McKinder. And um, there's just no way I would have the career I have without the past that I took with them and, and how I, what I learned from them. And there isn't a particular third person. I think a lot of the, like Sam Via and Chris Barron, when I went to Redkin kind of took me under their wing and showed me the Redkin way because I was with Trevor Sorby before that. So I would have to say, you know, those people, that's who influenced my career the most for sure. And you were very blessed to have your start of your career be those people um very blessed yeah not everybody has were you an assistant for trevor how did that all start i was um i had been working in a salon for three years when they sent out the notice that trevor sorby was looking to start a u.s team so i um i started i I, one of the women I work with had put a little, she tore it out of Modern Salon Magazine and it was an ad saying, Trevor Sorby wants you, you know, starting a first U.S. artistic team, blah, blah, blah. She goes, you got to do this. So I, um, I was like, okay, I'll try. Cause I knew who Trevor was and I, I thought he was amazing and I was scared to even try, but 
I went ahead and you had to send in pictures of your work. You had to send in um, a letter of intent and a headshot, I think. And so I sent in a headshot. I took my clients next door to the Chinese restaurant and took pictures of them sitting at tables with my friend who was in photography school, who later ended up being an, a really well-known photographer. Um, and I took my headshot, a regular headshot, but then I had a second headshot that was me with black hair, shaved on the sides, you know, flock of seagulls flopping up over to the other side, bright red lipstick, black eyebrows. I had a pair of gloves on and I was smoking a cigarette and it was a profile shot in black and white. <laughs> and I, I sent that <laughs> in. Awesome. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, you, you put that, this presentation, here's your headshot, here's your letter, here's the pictures of your work. And then at the end I had, boom, I had that picture. Cause I thought I want to, I want them to remember me, you know? So, um, so I tried out, I, I sent that in and I it was able to try out. I got one of the slots to try out for the team and, um, it, it, there was, they got like over 200 applicants and they interviewed 25. They were trying to get 12 and they picked three and I was one of the three. So, um, that was pretty amazing. So I feel very, very blessed, very lucky that that's how it ended up. And, you know, Trevor says it wasn't because I was a great hairdresser. It was because I had guts to do something I'd never done before in front of him. And the front turned out pretty good. <laughs> the back was not so good. I mean, just not having, with being only three years into the industry, just coming up with taking photos and, and doing a photo of yourself back then. I mean, now kids take pictures of every move, right, every, right. every meal, <laughs> everything they do, but we didn't have phones with cameras on them. Like that, that alone was a big deal. And anybody else would look at that magazine and go, wow, that would be an amazing opportunity and then not take that chance. Yeah. So I think it's probably safe to say that for the rest of your career, you've been a bit fearless knowing that you've always kind of landed in a good place and it always, not always worked out, but you always were better for having that fearlessness. Absolutely. You know, and I think the fearlessness as, you know, I went through a period probably about 10, 10 or 15 years ago where I started to get afraid to take risks, you know, because I thought, well, I've, I've used up all my cards, you know, like mm. how many more times do I get to get lucky and, and have, you know, and I started to doubt and, um, I just went, wait a minute, that's not who I am. Like I've, I'm not going to end up, you know, in the ocean alone on a raft. Like it's just not going to happen. So, so I still take risks, you know? I think it's no mistake that you said about 10 years ago, you started to doubt yourself because that's about when, the whole social media influencer trend started happening. Yeah. And from where you came from in your journey, that was not a thing. So it's something that you had to either get on board and start to do or start to feel like you were getting lost in a sea of influencers that were putting their best foot forward on social media. And if you weren't, it's kind of like you start to doubt yourself because it's, it's, comparison is a hundred percent the thief of joy. You know, we see all these other people with all these high numbers and all this 
crazy things that are happening to them through social media. And I love that you have remained relevant and not had to do all of that. You just keep reinventing yourself. You stay relevant, you stay passionate, and you didn't get caught up in that whole, you know, let me hire a social media director and pay them to manage my page and make sure that I'm putting myself out there. It's, it's hard to not get caught up in all of that. Yeah. But I think in the end, 100%, it's education over influence, and you are a true educator and have passion behind your why, why you're sharing what you share is so much more important than likes and comments and um, followers on, on a page. And I love that. Yeah. But it is, and it, but it's easy to, would you say it robs you of your joy? Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, it's easy to do that. Um, even now, you know, because I, you know, I have stuck true to who I am. And I think that's the most important thing people can do in building their social media even is just be you be your brand and don't try to be someone else, you know, cause at first I was like, I'm going to do what that person's doing. And then I'm going to do what that, Oh wait, no, no, wait, I should do that. Yeah. Let me try. And so I just kept like trying something different over and over. And, you know, I wish I would have spent a little more time really thinking on, well, what is it that I want to put out there, you know? And so I finally figured that out and some people like it and some people don't, and I don't have, you know, a gazillion followers and that's okay. You know, but it, it, it took, it took a bit because you, when I had the success that I had before social media happened, it's, it's like a whole new generation of people. And you start to think, I, I started to think I'm old, nobody, mm -hmm. and it's like, no, I'm wise. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. And I love that. It's you and I talked last time we talked, I, had invited you to be part of something that I'm super passionate about right now. I'm gearing up to host an educational event that is featuring you and Vivian and Michael Cole and uh, Philip Wilson, all people that have been around my entire career that made an impact on my career as well as other people that are far from irrelevant. Your true to having a passion for absolute education and things that are going to be used in the salon. It's not about all the smoke and the thumping music and the, the entertainment. It's true usable techniques. And I think that that's been missing for a while in our industry. And I want to bring that back for the newer generation of stylists that hasn't had the pleasure to experience a class with you where, you know, you're all about the technique and not about you know, how many likes and hearts and thumbs up and followers are on that page, but walking away with an absolute roadmap of what to do going back to the chair and earning a better living behind the chair as a result of that education. Some, some things have gotten way lost in translation along the way. And I think it's sad. I, I feel for the generation, you know, these little two-year-olds that are, you see the parents out to dinner and the two-year-old is playing Candy Crush. <laughs> they can't talk yeah. or walk very well, but they know how to use an iPhone and yeah. their communication with other people and their people skills and the eye contact. And, you know, now I really sound like an old lady, but it's really sad that they don't have that 
personality and connection that we had as kids playing outside and coming in when the streetlights came on. You know, there's a lot of damage being done with all of this technology. Yes, there's amazing pluses that I can talk into the phone when I'm trying to cook and say, you know, how do I make blah, blah, blah recipe? And it pops right up and it's like having, you know, uh, a chef in your kitchen telling you what to do. There's so many pluses, but there's also so many, you know, comparisons. I see my kids on a Saturday night, if they just don't feel like going out and they're okay with it and we're snuggling up and watching a movie and then they'll look at their phone and they see people posting at a party that it looks so much fun, like it's the best party ever, but it really wasn't. It was the mm-hmm. person was so worried about making it look like they were having fun. Yeah. It was all staged and fake. So it's yeah. kind of sad, um, especially for our industry. So that leads me to the next question. What is the biggest lesson learned it, along the way in your career? And if you could change anything about our industry in the current state that it's in, what would that be? The biggest lesson that I learned? Um, God, there's so many. I think, I think the biggest lesson that I learned is don't, don't be afraid to fail. Um, cause what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, you know, it's like, I think that's, that got me for a while, you know, because when I had when I started rare in my own, you know, school and salon and everything else, I had a vision for it becoming, you know, salons all across the country and, you know, um, a product line and yada, yada. (laughs) And it didn't work out that way. You know, it just, it was a dream that I had and it, it wasn't meant to be, you know? So I think at the time I really thought, wow, that I failed, you know, but looking back on it, it's like, it's not failure and I don't regret it. And I don't, I learned so much from doing, from having my own salon and doing all that, that, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I, what am I trying to say? I don't regret it. You know, it was a good thing. And then what was the second thing you asked? I'm sorry. If you could change one thing about the industry in its current state, what would it be? Hmm. I think I would, I would want people to want to know everything they could possibly know about hair rather than specializing in one thing, you know, cause I think that, I I don't want to be known as a specialist in anything because then if someone comes in and says, you know, I want X and I'm like, Oh, I don't do X. I'm a specialist in Y. Then that makes me not a very good hairdresser, you know, and people say things like specialize you, what do you specialize in? And I'm like, I specialize in hair, you know, hair. So I think that that to me really limits people. It's good for marketing, but then you pigeonhole yourself to do one particular thing. So that's my, that's my two cents. So when you did your Naha competitive work, you liked being every step of the look, the, the hair, the cut, the color, the vision, the fashion, all of that. You didn't collaborate 
with other people? You like having the co cohesive overall look? I no, I I collaborate with other people for sure. I'm I'm talking more in the realm of the salon world. Salon you know? world. Okay. Yeah. Like not ever having to say no to a client, you know, because you don't you aren't comfortable doing their hair or you don't know how to do that, you know? And um so I read that from like an educational point of view, but as a working from a, a artistic point of view and a shoot and that kind of thing, absolutely collaboration with the photographer, the makeup artist, the fashion stylist, if there is one, <laughs> all of those people being on the same page and loving what's happening is so important because if one person is not feeling it, then to me, it's not a good photograph. You know, it's got to be all inclusive. And, and then you get other perspectives than your own, you know, because I'm sitting there looking at every single hair. They're looking at the, the shape of the hair from the side because, you know, they, they'll see more. They'll see the whole image and how it all works together as opposed to that one hair that's, you know, pointing left when I think it should be pointing right, you know, so that kind of thing. I have such mad respect for the fact that not only did you enter Naha, but you won five times. Um, just the, the beginning, talk about, you know, the, your story with Trevor about being fearless and throwing your hat in the ring and saying, I'm going for it. Naha is something I've never even attempted to do. I can't even begin to go to the vision of what I'm going for. It's such an avant-garde different type thing that I'm used to doing. It would really push me out of my comfort zone. I was able to interview Vivian and I joked with her. I said, oh my gosh, I, I keep saying I'm going to do one of your workshops where she takes you from start to finish in a photo shoot, but I'm yeah. such a terrible stylist. You know, I, I can't style hair to save my life and I've been doing hair for 34 years. So to your point about being a specialist, I never really honed my skill on especially, um, you know, avant-garde looks, you know, where you just yeah. go, go for it and you have like the frizzy Afro with the braid on the side and the color on the tip, like all of that is just so not my wheelhouse, but I really should, especially at this stage of my career, I should push myself to just try it just once. Yeah. Um, I'm, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Why do you think you should push yourself to try it? Um, it's because it's something that I've never done. And, you know, you get into doing what you love and loving what you do and you never go outside of your um, zone of genius and your comfort zone. And that's so outside of my comfort zone that it would be like the equivalent of skydiving for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's so foreign to even pick what I would do. Um, I think it would be an interesting experience for me, whether I even get nominated or win or lose wouldn't even matter to me. It would just be the process of, finding the, the right photographer because it takes a certain type of photographer to, to photo photograph hair. You know, I think there's definitely a difference there. You can't just take your friend that happens to take nice pictures. Um, it's definitely a whole process. Um, as a matter of fact, that's what in my earlier years, that's what kept me from joining Intercoiffure was the mm -hmm. whole portfolio that you had to hand in. So mm. that's why I said when you did that with Trevor being so young, that's amazing that you didn't let that hold you back from throwing yourself into the opportunity and look at what it did for your career, you know, and how many people are listening right now that are letting those little details keep them from doing the bigger picture because they can't imagine getting through those 
initial obstacles to even get started? Well, I think that, um, are you there? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, I think that, um, When we learn how to do a technique, for example, we watch someone do it and then we imitate it, right? We, when I started doing photo work, I was assisting Trevor at shoots. And what I would do is, is I would, I, I'm going to just say the word copy, but really try to to recreate some of the things I saw either him do or I saw in another photograph of just first replicating, trying, practicing, you know, using something that you already know and see have seen how to do. Um, so some of my sh- earlier shoots were just, there, there was one collection I did and I didn't, I don't think I placed for Naha with it. I can't remember. I don't think so. Um, but there was a couple of looks that I had helped with Trevor put together um, style for a shoot. You know, I assisted him and I thought, I'm going to try that with blonde hair, with this background, with that, da, 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 you know. So don't be afraid to get inspired by other people and look at a lot of those Naha finalist pictures and just, you know, for practice, not even for um, to compete, you know, you've got to start somewhere. So if you, get the right photographer, get, you know, get all that stuff and do one picture, you know, just do one picture and make it perfect and, and imitate something that you really love. The more you put those kind of things in your creative bank, the more you have the pieces of the Legos in there that you can go, Oh, wait a minute. I like that front with that back and you can start to put all those pieces together in your own way but I think that would be a great way for someone to get started is just recreate something they see first then you start to learn what the camera sees then you start to learn what matters and what doesn't matter in the photograph you know and what you don't need to drive yourself insane over you know, so I think it just, you have to start somewhere. And I think that's a, a nice way to start. I love that. And you won five times. How many times did you enter and how many times did you enter before you ever won for the first time? Do you even remember? Well, um, yeah, I think I entered, uh, one, two, two times before I became a finalist. And since then, I've entered, I mean, I've been a finalist probably, including the times that I won, like more 10 to 15, I don't even know. And I've also entered and not become a finalist several times. So all the times though, I love the pictures I did. So I'll always have them, you know, they're like a, a moment in time that you've captured that you'll always have, you know. And it force it forces me having that deadline of Naha, you know, the pictures and everything's due by this date. You better get your stuff together <laughs> and create a collection, you know. So it was it's having that deadline for me as a procrastinator, it makes me actually do it, you know. Very so true. are you doing yeah. it this year? I just saw that they just announced all I, the 
I just saw that too. And I don't know because of uh, what's going on in the world and social distancing and how we're going to handle all that still um, up close in a photo shoot like that. I'm mm, not sure true. how that, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know. So we'll see. So now for some personal questions. Yeah. Uh, if you had the opportunity, uh, you won a contest and you could pick any concert for any group or solo artist, front row seat and a meet and greet. You get to have cocktails with your favorite artist. Who would you choose? Do they have to be alive still? Nope. David Bowie. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've always thought if I ever met, and he used to live in my neighborhood, you know, a couple blocks away. And I always said, if, if I walked around the corner and I saw David Bowie, I would faint. I would, I would pass <laughs> out. Cause I think there's something about him that is so sexy. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, I've always been in awe of him <laughs> and awesome. I just would thought it would be cool to get to know what's in there, you know, cause he's such a genius. He was such a genius. So good choice. And then yeah. my other favorite question to ask, and it's so random in this interview, but I'm going to ask anyway, is if you knew that you had to spend the rest of your life on a deserted island and you could only have one food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the rest of your life, what would it be? Breakfast. But it's an exact food. Like you have one choice oh. and you have to eat it every day until you die on the one island. One thing? Oh God. Um, <laughs> that's hard, isn't it? I used to love asking yeah. my clients that. And some of the answers were hilarious because it's something you cheese. don't. Cheese. Cheese. Yeah. 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 A lot of people say pizza because you kind of never get sick of pizza. Yeah. Um, I was going to say bread, but if you couldn't have butter, then it wouldn't be worth it. Then it wouldn't be as fun. Yeah. Yeah. And how about tools? If you had to be the hairdresser on the island, what is your non-negotiable tool if you had to pick one? Shears. Yeah. Because you could comb hair with your fingers or sticks or something, you know, but the shears, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. You can't now, make Do you have a favorite them. brand of shears or are you the type that has like 20 pairs and you keep changing them throughout a haircut? I have, um, I usually have about three pairs going at the same time. And right now I have Sambia signature series. They're like the slimmer shears. I have Hikari's mm -hmm. and Kasho's. And so, do you like to texturize with regular scissors or do you use a texturizing shear? I use whatever I use. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick up those kitchen shears if, they're, if, I, if there's nothing else nearby. <laughs> You'll do what it takes, especially on your island, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You might be shredding some texture in there with your stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite questions. It always, that's a great it was, question. It was fun in the salon because you had these fuddy-duddy clients that like didn't want to engage in any of the conversation and that would get them to, you know, weigh in on their favorite food because uh -huh. everybody likes people have things they love food wise, but to eat it every single day for the rest of your life is a huge commitment and not have anything yeah. else. With it. So that's fun. Yeah. Well, as always, it is a pleasure to chat with you. I'm sure people like taking a peek into both your professional and personal life. 
And thank you so much for taking this time. How can people listening find more of you as far as um, Instagram, Facebook, where, where do you pop up the most? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you, Elaine, for having me um, again. <laughs> and it's been fun. And then um, I'm on Instagram. Instagram is my main platform. Um, it's Ruth Roach, just like my name is spelled. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel called Ruth Roach TV with a lot of tutorials. Um, and yeah, it's got a lot of tutorials. And then I do a Friday night live, um, Instagram live where I do techniques and do some silly stuff and, um, just hang out. So nice. that's the main I want to check stuff out that, that I got YouTube. Going. I didn't know you had YouTube. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of tutorials on there. Ruth Roach TV. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and thank you thank everyone you. for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.